This is a recording of Father is a Man, the remarkable mention of the name Abish in Alma 1916 and its narrative context by Matthew L. Bowen. Published in Interpreter, a journal of Mormon scripture, read by Sean Canny. Abstract. The mention of Abish and a remarkable vision of her father, Alma 1916, is itself remarkable, since women and servants are rarely named in the Book of Mormon text. As a Hebrew Lehite name, Abish suggests the meaning, Father is a man, the Midrashic components, Ab, father, and Ish, man, being phonologically evident. Thus the immediate juxtaposition of the name Abish, with the terms her father and women, raises the possibility of wordplay on her name in the underlying text. Since Ab names were frequently theophoric, i.e., they had reference to a divine father, or could be so understood, the mention of Abish, father is a man, takes on additional theological significance in the context of Lamoni's vision of the Redeemer being, quote, born of a woman and redeeming all mankind, end quote, Alma 1913. The wordplay on Abish thus contributes thematically to the narrative's presentation of Ammon's typological ministrations among the Lamanites as a man, endowed with great power, which helped the Lamanites understand the concept of the Great Spirit, Yahweh, becoming man. Moreover, this wordplay accords with the consistent Book of Mormon doctrine that the very Eternal Father would and did condescend to become man and a suffering servant. The mention of a Lamanitish woman named Abish in Alma 1916 places her in the company of only a few women whose personal names are given in the Book of Mormon text. If the entirety of the text is any indication, Mormon and his sources for the material comprising Alma 17-27 through belongs to a culture that exhibited at least some reluctance to mention women by name. As Brant Gardner observes, quote, The preservation of her name is even more remarkable not only because she was a woman, but she was a servant. Both factors would virtually guarantee her anonymity. Even the queen, i.e. Lamoni's wife, is not named, end quote. Moreover, Jacob mentions, quote, the difficulty of engraving words upon plates, end quote, Jacob 4.1, that he, Nephi, and their successors experienced in writing on metal plates. This would have been particularly true of proper names, which were apparently spelled out in some fashion upon the plates. Thus the fact that record-keepers took pains to write and preserve the name Abish in the text suggests that the mention of her name is an important narrative detail. Admittedly, the reader will be the final judge as to whether the ideas advanced here about the name Abish and its literary importance are plausible and ultimately helpful. Abish is mentioned at a pivotal moment in the Lamanite conversion narratives, the theophanic visions of King Lamoni, Lamoni's wife, and members of the royal court and its aftermath, Alma 17-27. through On account of the remarkable vision of her father, Abish is prepared to play her key role in the mass Lamanite conversions, making known what she had previously been unable to make known, 1917 and gathering the Lamanites to the royal palace to witness the effects of these visions, Alma 1916-19. Her actions, for example raising the queen from the ground, not only reflect her correct understanding of the nature and meaning of these events, but also ensure that these events are not misinterpreted by the other Lamanites, thus helping to preserve the lives of Lamoni, Lamoni's wife, at all.
who saw visions of the Redeemer and angels, Alma 19.24-36, as well as facilitating the conversion of many Lamanites. In this short study, I propose that the narrator's use of the name Abish, Father is a Man, see below, involves wordplay that accentuates the importance of this woman and knowledge that came from her father, whether in this lifetime or afterward. Additionally, the mention of Abish and the attendant wordplay on her name have significance in the context of the broader Lamanite conversion narratives, i.e., the Lamanites being converted unto the Lord by coming to the knowledge that the very eternal father, Ab, would be born of a woman, Isa, Alma 19.13, and would come forth, i.e., or go forth, as a man, Ish. I will additionally suggest that the narrative using the Litwort, lead word, man, creates terminological links between the Great Spirit and the Redeemer, who becomes human, born of a woman. Abish, converted on account of a remarkable vision of her father, and Ammon, Abish's fellow servant in Lamoni's court, who prepared the Lamanites to come to a knowledge of the Divine Father of Heaven and Earth through their own visions of Jesus. Just as Abish, as a woman servant, fulfilled her divinely appointed role, Ammon, as a man, endowed with divine power, served as a living type of the incarnate Christ, the divine warrior, who condescended to become the suffering servant. Hebrew Ab Names and the Name Abish Many Israelite names have the word Ab, Father, as a theophoric element. Israelites not only understood but apparently relished the double entendre potential in these names, that the Father element could be understood as not only referring to a deity, but also the birth father of the name-bearer. The literary treatment of the name Abimelech in Judges 6-9 through illustrates this phenomenon. The first part of the pericope, Judges 6-8, through chronicles Gideon's salvation of Israel, including his defeat of the Midianites and their kings, 8.21. In response to this great victory, Israel requests that Gideon and his sons rule dynastically over them, i.e. as kings. Quote, then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son, and thy son's son also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you, the Lord shall rule over you. End quote. Judges 8, 22-23 However, Gideon immediately proceeds to act like a king, multiplying gold, Judges 8, 24-26, and wives, 8, 30, in violation of Deuteronomy 17:17. 17, 17. From the captured Midianite gold, he fashions an idolatrous ephod and exerts royal authority over the cult at Ophrah. Moreover, Gideon sires a son, whom he names, quote, my father is king, end quote, i.e., Abimelech, Abi, my father, plus Melech, king. One can interpret this name to mean the, quote, my father Yahweh is king, end quote, See especially Judges 8.23, The Lord Yahweh shall rule over you, end quote, or, quote, My father, Gideon Drubal, is king. End quote. The second part of the pericope, Judges 9, infers that Abimelech interprets his own names as the latter and uses this interpretation as a basis for his attempts to make himself king over Israel. See especially Judges 9, 2 through 3 and 8 through 22.
Later Israelite monarchic history contains other examples. Saul's uncle, Ner, Light, has a son named Abner. The name Abner can mean father is a light, i.e., quote, the divine father is a light, end quote, or, quote, earthly father is a light, end quote. But it is also a pun, quote, father is Ner, end quote. The name of David's infamous son, Absalom, means father is peace, Ab plus Shalom, referring on one hand to deity, father, as the source of peace for David, his son, and his family. On the other hand, as Moshi Garcia observes, quote, the entire story witnesses to the absence of peace between father David and son Absalom, end quote. This is the point of the ironic wordplay in David's repeated question as he learns of Absalom's death. Quote, is the young man Absalom, Li Absalom, safe, Hashalom? End quote. Literally, quote, does the young man Absalom have peace? End quote. 2 Samuel 18, 29 and 32. In this narrative cycle, the death of Absalom is only a part of the irony of David's self-pronounced punishment, restoring Yeshalom fourfold, 2 Samuel 12, 6. The Lord himself, the Divine Father, also repays David in fulfillment of Deuteronomy 7.10. Quote, He repayeth Mesalem, them that hate him to their face, to destroy them. He will not be slack to them that hateth him. He will repay Yeshalom, him to his face. End quote. Quote, the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me. End quote. 2 Samuel 12.10. By the time Solomon has secured the throne, four of David's sons will be dead. Women in ancient Israel also bore Ab names, including two of David's wives, Abigail and Abishag. Abigail probably means something like, my father is joy, or my father was delighted. Abishag, a woman famous for her beauty, 1 Kings 1.3, was given to David in his old age to resuscitate his vitality and virility. 1, 4, and 15. Etymologically, the first element in her name is clear. The second element, however, is of uncertain meaning. This did not stop the Deuteronomistic historian-slash-narrator from playing on her name. Moshi Garcia suggests that, from a purely literary, not etymological perspective, quote, her name, Abishag, contains two optional Midrashic components, by my father and SGL, concubine, end quote. Although in the pericope of 1 Kings 1 through 2, quote, neither the term SGL nor any of its synonyms is mentioned, still Abishag's duty of lying in David's bed to keep him warm indicates that she may be considered as his concubine. Adonaihah's petition to marry her is therefore construed as a renewed attempt upon the throne, and he pays with his life for it, end quote. In other words, a Hebrew-speaking audience would have heard the implied pun on Abishag in the plot of the narrative. Adonaihah's death on account of his ill-fated play for the throne through his father's concubine. The name Abish, as a Hebrew name, suggests the meaning, Father is a man, or, My father is a man. Abi, my father, plus Ish, a man. Or at least an ancient Israelite would have heard these Midrashic components in this name. Abish would have suggested a similar meaning to the Nephite ear, and perhaps it would have held this meaning for Lamanites who had learned the language of Nephi via the priest of Noah, Mosiah 24, 4.
Although only attested once as a Lehite personal name, the name Abish contributes to the literary texture of the story precisely because the elements father and man can be heard in the name. Precise scientific etymology was not in any case a primary concern of ancient authors in their literary inclusion and exploitation of names. We note the mention of Abish's name and her introduction into the Lamanite conversion narrative. And it came to pass that they did call on the name of the Lord in their might, even until they had all fallen to the earth, save it were one of the Lamanitish women, Hebrew, Nasim, whose name was Abish, Ab, Ai, Ish. She having been converted unto the Lord for many years on account of a remarkable vision of her father, Abiha. Alma 1916. The word play on the Ab, father, element is readily recognizable. As Michael O'Connor notes, onomastic wordplay can be, quote, incomplete as puns, casual rhymes, and verbal echoes often are in all literary text of all types and times, end quote. However, the ish, man, element, too, is present, albeit tactically, in the term women, Hebrew, nasim. The singular form of Hebrew, nasim, is isha, the masculine counterparts of which are is and the poetic form, enos, both of which share the Hebrew plural, anasim. In other words, the proposed elements of abish are juxtaposed with the name abish in the text. The mention of abish and the repetition of terms that match the evident verbal components of her name emphasizes her important role in the unfolding Lamanite conversions, a role that, in its own way, is like that of Ammon, who, like Abish herself, Alma 1928, quote, woman servant, end quote, is described as a, quote, servant, end quote. Alma 1725 and 29, and 1817 and 1933. Their role as servants enables them to be instruments in the Lord's hand in helping the work of salvation go forward among the Lamanites. See also Alma 1711. Moreover, the proposed wordplay links Abish to her father in a manner not dissimilar to the wordplay that links Nephi, Egyptian Nifer, later pronounced Nifi, equals good, goodly, fair, to his goodly parents. And the goodness of God... 1 Nephi 1 1, and Enos, Hebrew, man, to his father, who was a just man, Enos 1 1. The narrator's use of wordplay on Abish here emphasizes that the converting knowledge of the Lord, the divine Ab, that Abish received from her father, was like the knowledge of the God of Israel's fathers that Nephi and Enos received from their own fathers. It further emphasizes that this knowledge of the Lord stands in stark contrast to the incomplete, quote, tradition of Lamoni, which he had received from his father, end quote, Alma 18.5. Lamoni and the other Lamanites should have received the knowledge of God possessed by their father Lehi, Alma 18.36, but had not on account of the tradition of their fathers. The appropriateness of Abish's name in the context of her father becomes even more apparent as the Midrashic components of her name as divine reference are considered. The connection between man, woman, and the vision of the incarnation of the divine Redeemer, the divine Ab, father, as a man, is at the heart of the conversion of the Lamanites and the literary way in which Mormon narrates their conversion. 
a remarkable vision of her father, whose vision and of whom. Alma 19.16 informs us that Abish, on account of a remarkable vision of her father, had been converted unto the Lord for many years. The phrase, remarkable vision of her father, is ambiguous, as others have noted, perhaps deliberately so. The phrase, vision of her father, allows not only multiple possibilities for the content of the vision, but also two possibilities for the one who had the vision. Although others may be adduced, we have at least three interpretive possibilities for, quote, understanding the phrase, remarkable vision of her father, end quote. 1. The text refers to a vision seen by Abish's father. This interpretation takes the genitival construction, quote, vision of her father, end quote, as a subjective genitive, i.e., that the subject, Abish's father, is the seer of the vision, whatever its content. 2. The text refers to Abish's own vision, the content of which was a special or remarkable appearance of her own father to her. This interpretation takes the genitival construction, quote, vision of her father, end quote, as an objective genitive, i.e., that Abish's father himself is the object or content of the vision. Abish's own status as a servant in the royal court, a royal dependent, may suggest that her father had died some time previously and perhaps that he had appeared to her. 3. The text refers to Abish's own vision, the content of which may have included a theophany, Greek theos, God, plus phania, manifestation, equals a manifestation or appearance of God, beyond the personal appearance of her earthly father. In other words, did the Savior himself, the Divine Father, mentioned throughout the Book of Mormon, also appear to her? This interpretation, while not explicitly supported by the language of Alma 19.16, is perhaps partially inferred by the content of Lamoni's previously mentioned vision, quote, I have seen my Redeemer, and he shall come forth, and be born of a woman, and he shall redeem all mankind, end quote, Alma 19.13. Is the, quote, remarkable vision of her father, end quote, 1916, still remarkable by the very high standard of Lamoni's vision and the other Lamanite visionary experiences, Alma, 17, 29 through 30, and 34, and 22, 18. This interpretation would not wholly preclude possibility number two. Additional possibilities are perhaps suggested by the printer's manuscript of the Book of Mormon. As Royal Skousen and Brant Gardner have noted, Oliver Cowdery initially copied the word as fathers in the printer's manuscript, but then quickly changed the word to father. However, Skousen states that the original manuscript undoubtedly had the more difficult non-possessive form father in a remarkable vision of her father, and that, quote, in the manuscripts, Oliver Cowdery often added a possessive s to nouns, especially names, in constructions involving the preposition of, thus creating instances of the double negative. End quote. Fathers would then represent fathers with an apostrophe s, suggesting that Cowdery's initial impression of the construction fit interpretation number one, which corresponds to how many Latter-day Saints read this verse. Nevertheless, interpretation number two cannot be ruled out. In every interpretive scenario, the result was that Abish was converted unto the Lord on account of the vision, either hers or her father's, and the vision was probably theophanic, if it was remarkable. 
as Mormon states, Alma 1916. Moreover, the fact that Abish correctly comprehended the theophanic character of the visions that Lamoni and his wife saw suggests that the vision that converted her was similar in character. Here I would add that the double emphasis on Ab, in the name Abish, and in the word Father, is perhaps intended to emphasize this very idea. If we allow for deliberate ambiguity in the phrase, vision of her father, understood as both a subjective and objective genitive, we begin to sense the literary importance and beauty of mentioning a name that denotes or connotes father as a man. <clears throat> the Divine Father as a Man As noted above, the presence of the name Abish, along with its potential theophoric meaning, Father is a Man, as suggested by the theophanic content of her or her father's vision, has wider implications for the Lamanite conversion narratives. Clearly, this notion would have been problematic for some in ancient Israel and Judah. However, the notion that the Lord, Yahweh, is a man is not alien to the Hebrew Bible, despite a few texts that seem to suggest otherwise. In addition to the Lord's prophetic promise that Israel will one day call him Ishi, Hebrew Ishi, my man, my husband, Hosea 2.16. Moses' Song of the Sea declares, The word is a man, Ish, of war, Exodus 15.3. Similarly, Isaiah 42.13 states, quote, The Lord shall go forth, Yisi, as a mighty man, Gibor. He shall stir up jealously like a man, Ish, of war. He shall cry, yea, roar. He shall prevail against his enemies. End quote. Throughout the Book of Mormon, the image of the divine warrior, Redeemer, a favorite title of Isaiah, going forth, Isaiah 42.13, is juxtaposed with the image of the suffering servant of Isaiah 52.13 through 53.12. Nephi writes, quote, The God of our fathers, who were led out of Egypt, out of bondage, and also were preserved in the wilderness by him, Yea, the God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, yieldeth himself, according to the words of the angel, as a man, compare also, Ish, into the hands of wicked men, and quote, 1 Nephi 19.10. Such texts seem to know Isaiah's description of suffering servant, i.e. the, quote, man, Ish, of sorrows, pains, acquainted with grief, sickness, end quote, quote, smitten of God and afflicted, me une, end quote, Isaiah 53, 3-4. he was oppressed, and he was afflicted, na ane, end quote, 53, 7. Moreover, Isaiah 63 describes the Lord acting as divine warrior, slash redeemer, on behalf of Israel. Isaiah 63, 1-6 while emphasizing that he is also Israel's father. Quote, Doubtless thou art our father, Abinu, though Abraham, Abraham, be ignorant of us, and Israel acknowledge us not. Thou, O Lord, art our father, Abinu, our Redeemer, go Alinu. Thy name is from everlasting, me, O Lam, end quote. 63, 16. Thus, the divine warrior slash redeemer is, as Nephi saw, both the eternal father, 
1 Nephi 11.21, original text, the Everlasting Father, Abiad, of Isaiah 9.6, and a man who bore the sin and iniquity not only of Israel, but all humanity. Because of this dual nature, he is mighty to save, Isaiah 63.1, and 2 Nephi 31.19, and Alma 7.14, and 34.18. Book of Mormon texts repeatedly describe Savior's mortal life as man, and his atonement in terms of Isaiah 42.13, the Lord going forth as a man, 53.7, In addition to 1 Nephi 19.10, we have Alma 7.11, And he shall go forth, suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind, and this that the word might be fulfilled, which saith he will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of his people. End quote. As Thomas Waymont has noted, Alma's use of the phrase, quote, pains and sicknesses of his people, end quote, is a quotation of Isaiah 53 4. However, Alma also alludes to the expression, he shall go forth, Isaiah 42 13. Alma, like Nephi and Jacob, 2 Nephi 6 through 10, before him, envisions the Redeemer going forth both as divine warrior and the servant who redeems humankind through his own suffering. These are but a few of the examples that could be cited. Surely this is more than a man. The narratological juxtaposition of Ammon's and Abish's roles. In the Lamanite conversion narrative, Mormon employs several leetwort, lead words, a term that Martin Buber coined, using it to describe biblical authors' use of key terms which help a reader discern the main message or messages that authors intend to convey. Some of these are man, woman, great, spirit, and believe, faith. The mention of the name Abish, father is a man, can be seen as a development of these motifs. Part of Ammon's task in teaching Lamoni and the Lamanites is to advance their traditional understanding beyond his fathers, and their fathers' belief that there was a great spirit, but yet supposing whatsoever they did was right, Alma 18.5, to a belief in a divine Redeemer, the very Eternal Father, that would redeem man by becoming man, i.e. born of a woman, Alma 19.13. Ammon's averred strategy is to, quote, show forth my power unto these my fellow servants, or the power which is in me, that I may win the hearts of these my fellow servants, that I may lead them to believe in my words, end quote, Alma 17, 29. The strategy works so well, especially in his defense of the flocks of the king, as Lamona exhibits himself to be a warrior with great power, that Lamona's servants begin to debate whether Ammon is, quote, the great spirit, or a man. Quote, surely, this is more than a man, Ish. Behold, is this not the great spirit? End quote. Alma 18.2. Quote, whether he be the great spirit or a man, we know not. But this much we do know, that he cannot be slain by the enemies of the king, because of his expertness and great strength. And now, O king, we do not believe that a man has such great power, for we know he cannot be slain. End quote. 18.3. The servants quickly draw King Lamoni into the debate, quote, Now I know that it is the Great Spirit, and he has come down at this time to preserve your lives, 
that I might not slay you as I did your brethren. Now this is the great spirit of whom our fathers have spoken. End quote, 18.4. Fearing for the first time that he has done wrong in executing his servants for previous failures, Lamora inquires, quote, Where is this man that has such great power? End quote, 18.8. Mormon wishes the audience to see that Lamoni's notion of a great spirit who comes down in human form to preserve lives is not impossibly removed from the condescension of God, i.e., the incarnation of the Redeemer seen by Nephi and probably Lehi earlier. See 1 Nephi 11:16 and 26. Interestingly, Lamoni becomes convinced that Ammon is the great spirit incarnate. Quote, because of the faithfulness of Ammon, end quote, 1810, i.e., the faithfulness of his service, quote, Surely there has not been any servant among all my servants that has been so faithful as this man, for even he doth remember all my commandments to execute them. Now I surely know that this is the great spirit, end quote, Alma, 1810-11. Lamoni's fear of Ammon becomes palpable, 1811 and his, quote, countenance was changed toward Ammon, end quote, 1812. The servants of Lamoni, however, ask Ammon to stay, calling him by the name Rabana, which is glossed as great or powerful king, a title evidently built from the Semitic root, RBB, RBY, which denotes greatness or muchness. Rab is still the word for divine, lord, in modern Arabic. The servant reiterates, quote, Rabana, the king desireth thee to stay, end quote, 1813. The optimum moment for teaching Lamoni about the incarnate Redeemer approaches, after Lamoni will not answer Ammon, quote, for the space of an hour, end quote, Alma 1814, quote, Ammon being filled with the Spirit of God, i.e., again relying on the power of the Great Spirit, perceives the thoughts of the king, end quote, 18.6. Ammon knows that the king thinks that he is divine. He emphatically declares, quote, I am a man, and am thy servant, end quote. 18.17. See also Isaiah 53, 3 and 11. Nevertheless, Lamoni, recognizing that Ammon was able to discern his thoughts, asks him, quote, Who art thou? Art thou the great spirit who knows all things? End quote. 18.18. Ammon denies again, but Lamoni is not dissuaded. Quote, Whatsoever thou desirest, I will give thee. And if it were needed, I would guard thee with my armies. But I know that thou art more powerful than they. End quote. 1821. Ammon is a living type of the incarnate Redeemer, a man upon whom the divine power of the Lord's Spirit rests, and a warrior of royal lineage. See also Isaiah 11, 1 through 5, who humbles himself to be a servant, Alma 17, 25, and 18, 17. See also Isaiah 53, Mosiah 13, 34 through 16, 15. Ammon is a type of the Redeemer, who, quote, went forth ministering unto the people with power, end quote, 1 Nephi eleven twenty eight. Ammon's service to Lamoni as a type of Christ, fully prepares Lamoni to be converted to Christ through his partaking of, as it were, the tree of life. For Lamoni to be properly converted to Christ, rather than to Ammon the missionary, 
Ammon must fully correct Lamoni's partly correct views regarding himself and the Great Spirit. Lamoni is unfamiliar with the terms God and the heavens, perhaps suggesting Lamanite religion is thonic, quote, I do not know the heavens, end quote. Lamoni does, however, believe in a great spirit, which Ammon then defines for him as God. Quote, Believest thou that there is a great spirit? And he said, Yea. And Ammon said, This is God. End quote. 18, 26 through 28. After Ammon explains the heavens, Lamoni states his belief in Ammon's words and asks, quote, Art thou sent from God? End quote. Alma 18.33. Ammon reiterates, quote, I am a man, and a man in the beginning was created after the image of God, and I am called by his Holy Spirit to teach these things unto this people, that they may be brought to a knowledge of that which is just and true. End quote. 18.34. The divine power that attends Ammon in his service helps him to show Lamoni deeper truths about God from which the Lamanites had been cut off for generations, that the great spirit God is not only real, but that he is in a very real sense with human beings. See also Emmanuel in Isaiah 7-8. through 8. This prepares Lamoni to be taught just how, with us, God is, i.e., in human flesh, as Ammon teaches him in Alma 18:36 36-39. The divine humanness and faith motifs continue to build in Alma 19 until their climax in Alma 19.13-16. The Hebrew term ish denotes both man and husband. Likewise, the word isa denotes woman and wife. These terms are repeated in Alma 19.4-5, husband, bis, 19.10, and 12-13, and 16, woman slash women, four times. The climax begins in Alma 19, 12 through 13, quote, He stretched forth his hand unto the woman, and said, Blessed be the name of God, and blessed art thou. For as sure as thou livest, behold, I have seen my Redeemer, and he shall come forth, and be born of a woman, and he shall redeem all mankind who believe on his name. End quote. It is in the context of this critical statement that the narrator's statement in Alma 19.16 is to be understood. Quote, and it came to pass that they did call on the name of the Lord in their might, even until they had all fallen to the earth, save it were one of the Lamanitish women, whose name was Abish, she having been converted unto the Lord for many years on account of a remarkable vision of her father. End quote. Abish, father is a man, the woman servant, 1928, placed the feminine counterpart to Ammon, the man and servant, and completes this miracle of faith. See also Ether 12.15. Conclusion Like the vision of her father that converted Abish, Alma 19.16, whose name suggests the meaning father is a man, the theophanies that converted Lamoni from the tradition of his father, Alma 18.5, and later his wife and father from the traditions of their fathers, were all indeed remarkable visions. Whatever the exact content of these visions, 
They conveyed the doctrinal truth that was revealed many years earlier in the remarkable vision of their father Lehi and Nephi, that Jesus Christ, the divine warrior and eternal father, 1 Nephi 11.21, original text, condescended to become man, i.e., to come forth, and be born of a woman, and as suffering servant, redeem all mankind who believe on his name, Alma 19.13. The mention of the name Abish and the wordplay on her name in Alma 19.16 reinforces the foregoing narrative's strong association of the effect of ancestral tradition, sometimes negative, and the importance of the doctrinal truth that the Jesus Christ, the eternal Father of heaven and earth, would not simply remain a spirit forever, contra Zoramite belief, Alma 31.15, but would become man so that we might become divine, not only like our Savior, the Eternal Father of heaven and earth, but also like our Heavenly Father, who once was man, as was revealed to and by the prophet Joseph Smith. All this should make us grateful for righteous fathers and mothers, who pass on correct traditions to us, and more anxious to discard ancestral traditions that could inhibit or stop our eternal progression. See especially Doctrine and Covenants 93, 19, and 39. The author would like to thank Susie Bowen, Jeff Bradshaw, Reva Bowen, and Koalina Mills. Matthew L. Bowen was raised in Orem, Utah, and graduated from Brigham Young University. He holds a Ph.D. in Biblical Studies from the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C., and is currently an assistant professor in religious education at Brigham Young University, Hawaii. He and his wife, the former Suzanne Blattberg, are the parents of three children, Zechariah, Nathan, and Adele. This has been a recording of Father is a Man, the remarkable mention of the name Abish in Alma 1916 and its narrative context, by Matthew L. Bowen. Originally published in Interpreter, A Journal of Mormon Scripture, Volume 14, 2015, pages 77 through 93, read by Sean Canney. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged. The journal and its website are credited and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles and resources on Mormon Scripture can be found at mormoninterpreter.com.